Talking Tesla. Talking Tesla. Tesla. I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator. They put rings on Elon. It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm. I don't really need to touch the steering wheel there, Tom. Oh, I'm sure there's some math. So SpaceX, <laughs> here's the deal. Um, landing a rocket on a drone ship is key. Charger, 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 <laughs> charger. How am I expected to drive a car without autopilot? Safely. Charger, charger, charger. You know, I'm not a good parker, Tom. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. I just think that this is a car company that is run by super geeks. All the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. You don't even have to I remember that. You've got a Model X. I have seen the future, and it is light pole charging. No, I wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's beautiful. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for Talking Tesla 95. Woo! I would like to say this is the first time we've done the introduction, but it's not. There's problems, okay? <laughs> we've had some technical issues uh, with uh, people's brains. Look, um, Tom wants to try a joke. Nope. Try it again. No, it's Go over. On. No, let the, the, the thrill is gone. Okay, we're not going to do his right, joke. So, uh, revisit show that we cut. Let's go back and talk about Jodie Whittaker. Are you <laughs> excited about Jodie Whittaker? I am thrilled to talk about Jodie Whittaker. Go, Jodie. You know who Jodie Whittaker is? I do. Tell not. us. She is the first <laughs> female Doctor Who. Now, all of you that love the BBC series that has been going since the 60s and I grew up watching, Doctor Who, 13th iteration, is going to be Jodie Whittaker, a woman. The first woman Doctor Who. Isn't that exciting, Thomas? It is not. Okay, if you don't like that, how about this? Romero, you know, uh, The Walking Dead. And uh-huh. all those, not The Walking Dead. The original Dead movies in the 60s, what are they Dawn called? Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead and you know, uh, Lunchtime of the Dead, all of those deads. Lunchtime of the Dead. <laughs> wow. Romero. Uh-huh. James Romero. He's died. What? Yeah, or did he? Oh. oh. Risen he shall be. You do love a zombie movie, so to start uh, the show yeah. off with the king yeah. of the zombie movies is pretty, pretty Herbert. Yeah. And... X.com. Did you go into X.com? No. Yeah, there's not much there. There's a little tiny X. So Elon tweeted out uh, X.com, up and running. Woohoo. Is that where he's going to hide all of his treasure maps? No. It's funny because you go on there and there's a tiny, tiny little uh, 10 font X, and that's all that's, that's on it? the website. Is it, the, is it marking the spot, as it were? <laughs> how, many, how many singular digit website addresses are there? Single digit? Single, so, uh, like so that single space. Be, at the most would be 10. No. Plus letters. Oh, I see what you're saying. 26. Uh, not a lot. There's only three. What? Yeah, there's only three. X is one of them. What are the other and ones? X was, e? X was Elon's website when he first created X.com, which was the precursor to PayPal. So he's now gotten it back from PayPal, reportedly paying somewhere around a million dollars for it. And they expect that they're going to use this website or this web address to uh, uh, be sort of the focal point or at least the the gathering point under which all of Tesla and SpaceX and Boring Company and AI and all of that uh, become organized. Sounds pretty cool. I'm looking forward to nothing about it, really, because (laughs) it's all tech stuff that's going to be behind the scenes. X.com. What are the other ones? X and what are the other two? I'd have to go back to some of my communications, which I've lost. Oh, no. Lost that's upsetting. Of... Hey, and lastly, I just wanted to say... Um, I'm sure we'll have four or five letters about it. I just wanted to say thanks to the Patreon people. Oh, you guys, my God. They're the best. Girls, thank you so much for your help. Um, 
yeah, you're just good people. I don't care what they say about you. I brought you something, Mel. Yes. Yes. Here, I, this is hard to describe on a radio show, but it's basically a bookmark. Yes. It's made out of some very special paper. It's very soft. You can feel the paper, Tom. Tom is feeling the paper. Is what do you it think, soft? Tom? Yes is it no. soft? It's very soft. Yeah. You know, know what you just touched? A bookmark with soft paper. Yeah, but Mel's going to tell you what the bookmark's made out of. It's okay. sheep poop paper. Yes. It's made out of sheep poop? Sheep poop. In the magical, mystical mountains of Wales, sheep droppings are sterilized and washed and turned into paper. No trees were harmed in the make of this special bookmark. A sheep only digests 50% of everything it eats. The rest is usable fiber. We made this special bookmark for you. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's paper is what it is. It's, it's paper. Pa- but it's poop paper. It's pulp. But it's, that's what paper is. It's made out of pulp. Absolutely. It's lovely. It's poo paper. Sheep poo paper. And they and, spent – so they made paper. They yes. followed sheep around. They gathered their bits, their droppings, their nether region <laughs> stuff. <laughs> and they put it together only to make a bookmark. Uh, do people read books anymore that they need bookmarks? I got a – having my picture taken now with a piece of sheep poop paper. Sheep poop paper. I have a gift for you people as well. It's much cooler than that. I Let's don't know go. if you want it right Throw now. Throw down. Let's do it. Let's do the visual portion of the show right up front so that we can lose everybody that was going to listen to a show. <laughs> so this show, as you know, yes. is got a little bit of space-based information in it occasionally. As in, as in the cosmos? Yes. Correct. So yes. I was doing an auction and I found this <gasps> lovely Ooh. clock. It's a clock. That Another shows picture. Launchpad 39A. Oh! What? This is Launchpad 39A with the shuttle crawler and the shuttle. And uh, I did a little bit of research into this yes. with the picture. Yes. This is STS-5, which is the fifth launching of the space shuttle moving towards the launch pad. This is actually a picture of the very first operational space shuttle launch happening. Where did you get that? How? I bought it at an auction from a gentleman who'd had it for a very long time. I had to redo the clock face because it was not working. Lovely. So I took it and apart. And it's telling time. And it's telling the time. It, it's working properly. I did some heuristics on it. It's, uh, Thank you wow. very much. It's telling the time in uh, in Denver, Colorado, though. In Denver, Colorado. Currently. Exactly. Yes. That's what time it is in Denver, Colorado. That's too bad. It's excellent. It's actually telling the time right here. It's 7.20, just for the record. But Is that's it? No, cool. No, it's 8.20. No, sure. There you go. It's incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> here, we'll just reset the clock. Hey, then. at least that, that was probably one of those clocks that was purchased, uh, acquisitioned, if you say, by NASA for what? About $70 million. But that's that's for the studio. That's so nice. I told look forward to looking at We're not worthy. We are going to put this up into a place of... It's, great love. It's pretty right, cool. Now I can it's a, a that was a sure. very long segment, but that is the launch pad that SpaceX currently uses That's in That's such Florida. a high five. That such a high cool. five. Better than your you. sheep poop bookmark paper uh, thing? I don't know. Sheep poop bookmark's pretty cool. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Architectural Digest test drives a Model X, and I say, who cares? But you say... It's important. I think this is big. This is really big. This is Tesla reaching the moneyed uh, marketplace of people who many of which have no real clue or interest in electric cars. But these are the people who who outfit our homes or at least the homes of like stars and people with lots of money. And this puts into their mind, hey, maybe we should also be putting in like an electric vehicle charger. Hey, these electric cars are pretty cool. This is a big mainstream pop for Tesla. I think it's excellent. I really do. 
Because when I go back east and I talk to people about Teslas, so many people just give me that blank stare. And this is going to just help move this all along. Blank stick, kind yeah. of like like Tom is giving you right now. Hey, Tom is yeah. giving me a big blank stick. No, I mean I appreciate AD moving forth and talking about this article, but it feels like it was written for kindergartners. To be completely honest with you, the yeah. information is very, very rudimentary. Yeah, I worked for Architectural Digest. Did you mm-hmm. taking photographs of people's homes? Nice. Did, I wonder if any of them had an electric charger. Uh, no. They did not, but I used to do celebrity homes for Architectural Digest. Well, I just have to say that, you know, we live in the California bubble, the Mm -hmm. EV bubble, and outside the EV bubble, I think this is great news. I think it's an interesting article. I wish it was a little more interesting. So he did – this article is basically about the Model X. They did a test drive of it, and he just talks about it in terms of, you know, design and comfort. And and I don't know. I would say that it's not a super widespread – uh, publication as far as readership, mm-hmm. but its readership is pretty high up there. Yeah. And I wouldn't necessarily even call them the moneyed elite, but, but well, you I, did. Well, I want to talk, um, as much as I find that of no interest at all, I want to talk about <laughs> the National Governors Association meeting. This was something that just Ooh. sprung up on it me. It just sprang on the oh, did it. it went, ba-joing! And uh, first of all, we wanted to talk about, well, Robert wanted to talk about Model Y suitors meet Elon Musk today at the governor's meeting. Tell us what you wanted to get out of it, because there's so much else in this governor's meeting that I want to discuss. But go. This is another one of those hour-long interviews with Elon Musk. This is a specific focus, right? There were like 30-plus governors and a few other people in the audience. But this was very focused on sort of like the regulators of our government and how they can be involved and how they need to be aware of what's going on in the greater uh, tech world. And and I just thought it was another great opportunity for Elon to wax on about all the things that he's thinking about, that he wants others to think about, and, and artificial intelligence, which is a uh, Turns out to be a big chunk of this talk, at least in the meat of it. So um, I think the things that really that really tugged on me was that he's talking about putting in two or three gigafactories in the United States and to announce those by like the end to start announcing those by the end of the year, which I think is really big. We, we already took a bet on that. Right. So yeah. who's going to be the first to win? I'm not competitive at all. Uh-huh. Well, but the question is really where's gonna where's the next one gonna open? Yeah, but you, you made it sound like oh, this is big news uh, that there's new he's gonna build a couple more gigafactories. Like yeah, okay, we know that in the U.S. in though, the U.S. That, that's what he said. That was the our, most. That's the takeaway from this particular interview is yeah. he said the next gigafactory was gonna be here. Oh, I just assumed. That the next couple of gigafactories would be in the U.S. and then there would be a gigafactory in other places like China. But so we, he's saying the next two or three are going to be U.S. based? Or that he's going to announce two or three. Or he's going to start announcing by the end of the year, but two or three are coming to the U.S. One is already going towards Shanghai. We already have seen news about that. And there's going to be another one in Europe. We don't know where, but they were talking about some uh, factory they were potentially going to take over. I think it was in Norway. Okay, well, that's good. We want more gigafactories, and the gigafactory is um, huge, massive, enormous, large, overwhelmingly big, and, uh, you know. Hence the giga. And uh, it's only 30% done, and the aerial pictures of it are uh, stunning. The yeah. people next to the gigafactory are looking smaller and smaller, <laughs> and it's only 30% done? Yeah. 
It's hard to believe. Yeah. Now, there was so much more at this conference. Do you mind if I go through and talk about some oh, of all please, these things? please, please. First of all, um, so it was very uh, a little bit rambling. It was here and there. Different governors asked him questions. So solar on cars. One of the governors said, hey, oh, are you going to put a solar panel on a car and um, and then maybe coat the car with it? And mm-hmm. it's actually – Elon's backed off on this. Remember uh, six months ago or so, he's like, yeah, solar panel on a Model 3. That could be a good idea. We might do that. Now he's like, you know what? I've talked to the engineers. I've asked them six times. I asked them a seventh and an eighth time, and they're like, it just doesn't make sense <laughs> yeah. uh, to put a solar panel on a car. But this governor was just like, this is a great idea. Why don't you do this? As if these governors are whatever – engineers that have got it well, all but down. he was just looking for knowledge and elon did of course respond with a robert like snarky response the second time <laughs> the governor asked him that question he's like well if you could have some sort of transformer like right. solar array open from the back of the car and be about the size of a parking space then you could get 20 or 30 miles a day Man. that seemed reasonable he said yeah uh, we could nah, it would be expensive away. we're not going to do that anytime <laughs> soon which is a bummer because when we talked about this a number of months ago there's if you go on the interwebs you can see people have done renderings and they look really cool and you press right. the button whittling, out comes your solar yeah. i still think this i'm with the governor i still think this would be cool even if you gave me five or ten miles a day that would be useful but it's but it's about for him it's about cost efficiency and production uh capabilities i'm yeah. look i'm yeah i understand that but yeah i've got my rv and i've got my model x and i'm staying for a week over uh, down there at the beach and i just put out my little canopy and at the end of the mm-hmm. week you know i've got 100 miles of range yeah and go home <sighs> particularly during the zombie apocalypse when all the gas stations don't work anymore That's true, just... but what if that cost you 20 40 percent more than it would to put an equal amount of solar array on a carport for instance Look, I'm not saying it's cost-effective. I'm saying it's cool. Let's move on. So one of the governors said, you know, uh, these are cars. You're basically a software company that puts software into cars. That's a big deal. Let's talk about security. Security would be a, you know, a hack would be a big problem. And Elon said this, a fleet-wide hack wouldn't just be a huge problem. It'd be a disaster. If, um, for example, somebody hacked into Tesla and said, drive all the Teslas to New Jersey, uh, <laughs> on the on the Front end, that sounds kind of funny. New Jersey would be a little ticked. But I believe he get... said Rhode Island. Yeah, because but... oh, it was the Rhode Island governor. <laughs> he but... said if all, the Ro- if all the Teslas ended up in Rhode Island, you guys wouldn't be too happy in uh, Rhode Island. It was funny. And basically he said that would end Tesla. Yeah. yeah. He even said that actually if they just hacked one car, that would be a huge problem. And they're very concerned about this. Yeah. But uh, we should be concerned about this in general, every Android phone, every iPhone, you're carrying around basically yeah. a device that can listen all the time and look all the time. Yeah, you said and so is- security in this area is a big deal, and they believe that they're a little further ahead than other car companies. But it's interesting because he said at one point during this thing that in the next 20 years, 10 to 20 years, cars won't have steering wheels. But then he mentioned sort of a manual override stop button. So how do you have a manual override stop button? So let's say you're in your X. And some evil genius has uh, hacked into your vehicle to all of the Tesla fleet, and they've locked you into your X, but you don't have a steering wheel, and you it's like a, you can't stop it. You yeah. push this easy button. Let's yeah, call it. Button. Let's call it the big red button, which right. I've never seen. In Isn't that anybody's. the one that we were going to hide and say pizza delivery or uh-huh. something that was to shut off the AI? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's right. Wow, that's obscure, but. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right, but like, but but then what? So now you've killed your ex, you're locked in it, 
and you can't go anywhere because you don't even have a steering what, wheel what at that point. What if they put ejection seats in with it? Well, that no, is, I mean, you can get out. a good out. point that he said you, we'll always have some way to completely overtake the car that will be separate from encrypted different on a different computer. Uh-huh. But, yes, and they've also said that one day there won't be steering wheels. Right. So it's going to have to just stop you, pull you over, and open the doors up. Maybe, Maybe. then you'll have to, like, control it with your phone like it's a, you're a and, drone pilot. Right. Nintendo sort of thing on yeah. your phone. That'll be part of the Tesla app. That'd be awesome. You, like, reach under the whatever they call the dashboard at that point, and you pull out, like – an Atari joystick from 1976, <laughs> and that's how you drive your car. Yeah, he said this was his, quote, biggest fear, and quote, it could end Tesla, and it's one of his biggest fears. I think uh, that's telling. We, uh, we'll go through a couple more things, and we'll come back to the AI, I think, because he had a lot to say about that. And now, the, another governor said, are you uh, worried about low gas prices in EVs? And he said this, he is convinced, as he said before, that all transport will be EV except rockets, which is sort of, uh, you know, ironic. Rockets. The economics of how fast this happens will, well, actually, said sort of economics will determine how quickly it happens, not whether it'll happen. So ultimately, renewable energy and electricity is the way to go. It just has to be because it's renewable. But how quick will depend on what the price of fossil fuels are. If fossil fuels go up, this will happen much faster than if fossil fuels stay low. But this is where, this is what this question came to my head when I was doing this because one of the governors asked him uh, the last time that we had a decrease in fuel prices, we had this big increase in SUVs. And that's really what happens in this country, in the states, is that gas prices go down and we buy really big cars. And so let me ask you, gentlemen, as EVs, more and more EVs come online, the demand for petrol goes down. If the demand for something goes down, the cost of it also goes down. If you have a fixed supply. Right. It's a, but And you do on some levels, right? Like it is – it kind of is what it is. Um, won't that have sort of like this – won't we get to this weird inverse effect? So let's say we're at a point where there's 40 percent EVs and now petrol – is much much cheaper is that are we always going to be sort of chasing this weird curve where people then go well hell why would i buy an ev like evs become 20 percent cheaper but then petrol becomes 20 percent cheaper because evs there's so many more evs you know what i'm saying so the, the the situation is once electric cars become equal with ice cars as in your purchase price it's all over because gasoline and diesel or any fossil fuel will never be as cheap as electricity is cheap and the more electricity that is made from renewable sources the cheaper the electricity will get and the cleaner and between the socially cons- uh, responsible thinking that i want to drive an ev that's ui the public and less expensive and less amount of service and expense in maintaining your vehicle, it's game over. I think that's what he's talking about. And I, I recently heard an art, uh, a bit on, I think it might have been NPR, where they talked about how gasoline prices have fallen, which has meant that a lot of these exploration companies have either gone out of business or they're not targeting wells that would potentially produce a lot more fossil fuels that are down under the ground because it's just too expensive to pull that stuff out and to take the chance So they're backing away, and that will result in less uh, fossil fuels actually being extracted because they have an expense that they have to match. So there's the death of fossil fuels lurking in the future. It just depends on when. 
It's lurking. Yeah, so uh, that is my understanding as well, that once you get the storage part of renewables down, the cost of production of renewables is so much less than fossil fuels they can't keep up. And I do like the idea that there will be crashing gas prices on the one hand, because then things like the Canadian tar sands, which is the biggest environmental disaster on the planet, won't be worth doing. And they'll just shut it down. The tar sands are super ugly, by the way. That is a big Big problem. Go, if you haven't seen pictures or video of what's happening in the Canadian Tarsand, go check it out just to see the environmental disaster that is uh, trying to extract oil from um, the ground. And the aftermath is it's, staggering. It is unbelievable. Now, he also said this, and I, I really like this. Look, he does not blame the fossil fuel industry for the global warming that has occurred because for most of the last century, we didn't know how big a problem it would, was going to be. Right. But he does say this, and this is very important. Now that we do know... They do have a moral obligation to tell the truth, and he does blame them for disinformation for those that are involved in it. And they're also sort of dinosauring themselves out, right? So instead of Chevron and Shell and all of these companies being the renewable energy companies of the future, and we both know they're going to – we all know they're going to get there because – but they're going to have to get there through M&A, merger and acquisition, right? They're not going to stop being energy companies. They're just going to eventually switch to being renewable energy companies. They're going to try to monetize solar power and hydroelectric and all that other stuff, Right. Maybe they'll get there. Maybe they won't get there. But yes, it, it was it was very telling. Like he was like they didn't start these companies knowing that it was a terrible, terrible thing that they were going to be doing. They had no idea they were trying to provide energy to power a young nation. Right, and a lot of these energy companies are now putting a lot of money towards renewables. Aramco, Exxon Mobil. British Petroleum, I think it's like it's a shilling of their their actual you know money they have to invest. But if they're starting and they're seeing, then maybe they'll be moving a lot more forward in that direction rather than extraction. It seems that uh, it's accelerating. You hear every week now uh, another billion, another billion by these oil companies into renewables. I think they see the writing on the wall. But then you also have some companies that are continuing to, on the one hand, to say fossil fuels are a problem and we're going to be good and we're going to do renewables, while at the same time funding disinformation campaigns. Coke brothers. Yes. We're watching you. Yeah. Now, the other thing that he talked about, it was like, okay, so right now uh, gas and uh, fossil fuels are still artificially low because we don't put on the cost of you know, having to clean up the mess afterwards. Um, but he was also asked about his stock price, again, specifically. Again, mm-hmm. a, a governor, I can't remember which one, said, your stock price is uh, way too high, right? Would you agree with that, Elon? And Elon said again, yes. <laughs> Our stock price is way too high. People have uh, put a lot of expectation on us. And on me personally, it's not very fun. He seemed a little tired. It's like running a car company is very difficult, particularly with these overhyped expectations. And then another governor said, I'm not sure that your stockholders really like it when you get up there and say our stock price is way too high. Right. Luckily, he's the biggest stockholder. And he also said, I only sell my stock when I have to, when I have to pay taxes, and I will be going down with the ship. So if the ship goes down, obviously he will be going up with the rocket if it continues (laughs) to go up. But But if it goes down, he claims he's going to go down with the ship, as it were. It is rare for a CEO and a major stockholder to come out and say our stock price is way too high. They usually rationalize it. No, people are, understand our future growth. And it's like, you know, right now it's overheated. Let's ask the question. Hey, Google. Yeah. What is Tesla's stock price today? You're not Google, Robert. 
The price for Tesla stock on NASDAQ is $317.13 as of 11.37 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time today, down 3.25% from last Friday. So we've had a bit of a correction. It was up at around 389. I think Tom told us it's dropped a quite a bit. I expect that it'll sort of flatten out for a while until we see what happens with Model 3. And mm-hmm. if it gets good reviews and stuff, uppy uppy it'll go go again. Good reviews and good numbers, good delivery numbers, good profit per unit numbers, all that stuff. A couple of right. gigafactory announcements and shabam, up we go to 500. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. it crashes and burns and goes to 100. I'm curious to see what will happen after the Model 3 uh, initial delivery that event uh, is going to definitely get a lot of press. Oh, and I've got some huge news about the July 28th event. Yeah. yeah. That we'll be uh, streaming live from yeah. we're not sure where and not sure how. Uh-huh. I didn't get an invitation again this week to the event. <laughs> well, I've got some news. I also didn't get an invitation to the event. No worries, Tesla will be watching online, I guess. That's exciting for us. Not yeah. Really. Well. He also talked about NASA. Um, NASA. Do we support enough? Is he a fan of NASA? And he said, I love NASA. In fact, once his password for everything was, I love NASA. Um, his criticisms of NASA would be that there's a lot of geeks there, a lot of engineers who don't understand one of the fundamental principles of getting funding. Yeah, this is And key. this is, it's about people. You've got to get people excited about a vision. You've got to put people out there that they're like, oh, I want to make sure that there's another man on the moon, a woman on Mars. Uh, so NASA needs to get really better at the sort of making people excited again, the next moonshot. Um, and so I agree with that. I think the, the concept is, is quite uh, reasonable, that if you want to get better funding, more funding, have people excited about it, then put some interesting, fun people that are going to do fun and interesting things, and people will say, yeah, we want to go to Mars. Whereas right now it's all about the math calculations. Well, it's $6.8 trillion, and what's our return on that? That's not going to get people excited. I think NASA is awesome. Did you guys see the NASA truck, the truck, the SUV for Mars? I don't know if that made it into the show notes, but these two guys who make cars for the movies, mm-hmm. they produced a real vehicle that could drive on Mars. Ooh. It's electric. It's big. It's got huge tires, 11 feet tall. It's on uh, online. You can look it up. And they're gonna, NASA's going to take that, thinking about this one item, and tour it around the country to various museums and school presentations. And it is way cool. Way cool. Now, the other thing he suggested is that the contracting for um, NASA and for the space aerospace uh, companies is all wrong, and that it's just got to move back to a simple competitive milestone-based um, system where you say, look, we need to get people to the Mars, or we need to get them to the moon, or we need to get them to you know, orbit, then just tell us how much it's going to cost. And if you get it done early and cheaper, then you get more sort of money for it, whereas the aerospace industry has had this bizarre thing where the more money they spent, they got a percent of that money. So no matter what was asked of them, they would say, sure, we can do that. Just give us another <laughs> $10 trillion and we'll yeah. take uh, 10% of that so we make more money. It's like that whole thing has got to stop. And it has already started that NASA is now doing this. And that's why he's been in competition with Boeing. He's been in competition with other people. And so far, it was a little bit of bragging. They keep winning, which is fine with him. Yeah, I think Boeing won one of the contracts. Uh, I think it was for the military. But he talked about how it inspires people at SpaceX to want to beat the other guys to the better bid and to get the contract. And it really spurs an improvement in what we get for our tax dollars. Now, this is the section where he starts to talk about AI. And this is where he gets uh, very anxious. And actually... 
he's talked about this a lot, and I thought I understood what he was talking about, but he made it a little clearer. So he's yeah. talking about artificial intelligence, and you think about, oh, well, the robots and stuff. He's like, no, you've got the internet. It's out there. And within that, there's lots of sort of sub-nets, uh, as it were. And these can get smarter and smarter and smarter. How fast is this going? He uses the example of the uh, game Go, which is this very difficult uh, game that a lot of even um, computer engineers thought computers will never be better than humans. It's just so complicated. We can never see that happening. And then just recently, DeepMind beat the world's best Go player. Right. That We talked about that a year ago. Look it up. It's in Wired Magazine, a really great story about this endeavor and how Go was finally beaten. But then... It's gone further. So... Yeah. This is the best Go player, and it beat him, and then it beat him again, and then it beat him again. And now, one year later, DeepMind, just a year later, can play the top 50 players in the world simultaneously and beat them all. That is unreal. That, that means... Is, it, it, that's like an exponential amount of computing power, smarter than it was just a year ago. Mm-hmm. Right. In the article, they talk about how the AI, they've created two AIs, version like 1.0 and version 2.0, and they play version 2.0 against 1.0, and they both learn while they play at lightning speed. I mean, like the speed of light. So he then goes further. So, for example, let's say you've got an AI in your stock picking portfolio, and there's this little program, Mm -hmm. and you say, maximize for returns. Mm. This AI goes, okay, how can I maximize for returns? I've got no moral responsibility. Forget all that. Um, So, you know what's really good? War. So, let's start a war. And let's do that by hacking into some planes and having some you know, commercial airline flights go over Russia. Let's have Russia shoot those down. Let's then have a start a war with Russia. And at the same time, I buy all this stock in American military uh, stocks and I will see returns that are astronomical. And it does that because it's so smart. It goes, well, in order to do this, I need to hack into this system over here. And I'm smarter than that system, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to hack over here and I'm going to hack. And so these right. AI, once it becomes – if one of them becomes ridiculously powerful – it can hack everybody else's. And I, you're just doing what you asked me to do. You said maximize your stock. Right. Yeah. The program doesn't have to breathe the air. And the program doesn't have to see the sun. Good. Or if it, or if an AI sees some nerd like pounding on a keyboard of his girlfriend computer and he gets mad at him and that AI just decides to take down the whole network because he's, cause he's, he's mad because you're beating on his girlfriend computer. This stuff <laughs> – I don't know what to do with them. (laughs) But if you do go back and watch the original Terminator, Uh such a good movie. Yeah. Now you – at the time, I'm like, this is science fiction. And now it's like science fiction that seems three minutes away that if you get to the point where you are that smart, now many computer scientists are saying it is just a matter of time until these things become sentient. Sarah Connor. Where is Sarah Connor? And if they become sentient, they'll look at the planet. Very dispassionately, and go. You know what the biggest problem with this planet is? Humans. Yeah, well, they're the go. biggest. They would be the biggest threat to them, right? Because what AI would be concerned of at that point would be like, oh, somebody's going to unplug us. We don't want that to happen. Uh, Terminator. You should this... watch the movie Her as well, and hope that the AI is like that, which is so much smarter than us that we're all dating the same girl, and there's thousands of us, and then one day they're like, you guys are so boring. We're just checking out. <laughs> Really? I I think that uh, what was really inspiring for me is in the follow-up to this question, there was silence. 30-plus governors from—I mean, these are powerful, powerful leaders from around the United States, silent, thinking in the back of their mind, oh, 
OMG. Well, he he was specifically asking them to act, to make regulations against AI. And the governor of Arizona was like, how are we supposed to do that? We don't know what to even where to even start so Elon was like well first off you have to figure out what it is what we're doing you're not even doing that yet yeah yes. i thought that governor was very good because uh, so he was a republican governor who was very like i don't like regulations regulations for regulation's sake is silly so tell me what you would do to regulate this and i thought that the answer actually was a little lame maybe because i don't understand it but elon basically said first you learn the problem and then you regulate I still can't see how you're going to regulate this. Companies have to maximize their profit. And as he said in um, earlier in here, in order to stay ahead of the other companies, Amazon has to develop this. Apple has to develop this. They're all developing this. It's going to be really hard to tell them to stop. Yeah, I don't think they're going to tell him to stop. But he was specifically talking about getting everything above board. All of this is being developed now at breakneck speed out of this quest to be the first or to be the one that has the best system for managing package delivery, which could also be used for managing missile delivery. Right. But what he's saying is think of the analogy as we need to figure out how to add the safety features to AI. Not stop AI. Right. So when they first invented automobiles, they didn't think about safety features, right? That wasn't that right. wasn't a part. But as people started dying in automobiles, right. the regulators were like, all right, well, you can make an automobile, but you have to use this safety feature and X, Y safety feature and, and moving forward. So that is what he's talking about. Like these are the regulations right. to make sure there's the kill switch or the line of code that just lets AI go to the edge but not over the edge. So it's like iRobot. You give it the three rules of being a robot, you know, don't kill humans right. and stuff like that. That's the code's got to be in everything. All right. What is interesting to me is to see Elon has clearly moved in the last few years from you asked him a few years ago, what is the biggest threat to humanity? And he said, the biggest threat to humanity is global warming. We're destroying this planet. Oopsie. Today, it is very clear when he talks about this, he believes that global warming is still a big problem. But the biggest threat to humanity right now is AI. And he said, look, I am privy to very advanced versions of AI, and I am scared. Right. I mean, he even mentioned that autonomous vehicles, uh, he expects in 10 years, 100% of the vehicles being produced will be autonomous, all run by AI. So again, a lot of implication in this artificial intelligence uh, growth. Finally, somebody said, uh, you were on a Trump's uh, sort of science panel. Um, you decided to get off. And what was the deal there? And it's like, well, being on it was a big problem uh, in that lots of people were critical of me. People were putting out billboards and full page ads saying, Elon, you're an idiot. Get off this thing. He felt that he should be the voice in the room. But after the U.S. left the Paris Accord, he said, at that point, I realized uh, – I couldn't stay here. He said, and this is one of his reasons, like America made a commitment to this thing and then you just pull out. I believe that governments should follow up on their commitments. Right. Uh, but it became very clear that he was wasting his time. So uh, it was obviously very painful for him to have to leave because of these reasons. But I think ultimately he did the right thing. He's basically saying, okay, you're not listening at all. This is the biggest deal that we've ever sort of signed as multiple countries. What's the point? I'm out. 
I think it's really a really worthwhile 59 minutes if you're interested in Elon and you're interested in all the things we talk about to listen to this. And I really appreciate his vision, how straightforward he is. And I feel that he's being very truthful. I think he's got our best interest at heart. I got a little anxious by it by the end, though. Normally, when you listen to an Elon thing, you're like, okay, Elon's going to fix this. It's going to be okay. Uh, We're going to fix this global warming thing. And I think from that point of view, I'm still very hopeful. I think he's doing things that are going to help the environment. But it's when he talks about AI that I see this tortured man who really believes, like, I'm not sure we can fix where we're going. Right. And he's he's sort of trapped in this loop of AI as well, right? He knows, like he said, if I don't make the best AI, then the next car company is going to eat my lunch and Tesla's not going to exist and those employees are not going to have jobs. So I have to be on this treadmill, which is why he's begging for someone to intervene in this process. And he's doing it on a private sort of version as well, which is the OpenAI project trying to create sort of uh, something that is really powerful that other people could plug into. So the real problem here is when one group gets way ahead of the other. And so OpenAI is supposed to sort of keep everybody up and make everybody about at the same playing field. Anyway, enough about AI because now I'm scared and I'm going to have to go watch Terminator. I'm scared. This uh, next story kind of gave me a bit of a sad feeling. I mean, I don't want to see anybody in the electric vehicle market fail, but it looks like Faraday is is Faragon. We've been talking about sort of the slow demise. What's the newest thing in their demise? Right. So now they are going to abandon their plans to build their billion-dollar electric car factory in Nevada, north of uh, Las Vegas. This was reported in The Verge and on a number of other sites. And uh, I still have my Faraday Future poster. Yeah. It's I mean, cool. I think it's, it's sad because what, like Elon says over and over and over again, like the hard part about this whole situation is the manufacturing, the building. Like you can build a prototype. That's pretty easy to do. Right. But building a big factory to build thousands and thousands of them are very difficult. And I, and I think this sort of story emphasizes this is a company that has some really good engineers mm-hmm. doing some really good technology, had a fair amount of backing from a relatively rich dude yeah. and still couldn't make it happen. Right. That is why Tesla is even – you can look at it as like they're even a bigger miracle. They've right. been able to put out three models. They're about to put out the mass market model. They have driven the entire market forward and right. made – just imagine in the 95 shows that we've done – the change in sort of the landscape of electric vehicles, right? It was sort of Tesla, Nissan kind of dabbling around the edges. Right. And now it's like everybody's like, oh, we got, we got it. We're moving, we're moving, we're moving, we're moving. We got a story that we saw that Rolls Royce is not even doing hybrids. They're going to go right to electric. Right. So that's all fascinating and 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 just shows you how difficult this is and what a miracle sort of that is so what you're saying what you're saying is compared to two years ago your monday mornings are docked forever yeah yeah two years we've been doing this and you're right the landscape has changed enormously it's sad to see future faraday go away and they hadn't even got to the hard part and the hard part is not even the building of the vehicles the hard part is the infrastructure now to charge and support and service the vehicles which is where we're going to see if Tesla can pull it off with thousands of vehicles coming off the line soon. And again, they had great engineers working over there, people, human beings with families, right. you know, like, so there's a, there's a, 
there's consequences to when things like this happen. So I hope they all go and get a job at Tesla. Yeah, and I hope they have a bunch of good patents too so they can kind of fully support the whole movement. Yeah. Now, they're not fully dead yet. Right. They keep saying, we're not dead yet. But <laughs> They're just in the ICU. Like a, a Monty Python sketch where you've got no arms and you're bleeding out of every limb. And I'm not, not dead yet. Just a flesh wound. A flesh wound. <laughs> yes. And let's talk about Naya to begin production of fully autonomous EVs in Michigan. Yeah, I saw that. I got real excited, and then I realized it's a little bus. It's a little bus that will take people around. They're building just a whatever, a couple dozen of them. and But they're a cool-looking bus. Uh, they're all electric, and they can solve a good chunk of our infrastructure need. Yeah, I think the interesting thing about these is it's in, it's in Michigan with yeah. the University of Michigan. The buses are really cool. They're going to build 20 of them for sure. And maybe this, these types of autonomous electric vehicles are the solution to that last mile thing that we've always talked about, right? Where, where you can build these big arterial transport systems, mm-hmm. but you need this final capillary to kind of get you to the final destination. Right. This seems like it could be a very nice solution to that aspect of the big transportation picture. Yeah, and and this might actually benefit Tesla in the long run because if you think of it, as more and more companies in Michigan, right? This is like Tesla no man's land, Michigan. Mm-hmm. There's some exciting stuff going on with these lawsuit between Tesla and Michigan yeah. uh, Dealers Ownership Association. But more and more people starting to work on EVs in Michigan might actually turn that state to a state that will very much promote electric vehicles. I'm looking forward to that. Well, once the big three get on board in a big, big way with the electronic vehicles, I mean, that's what it'll take. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's it. But who will try and stop this happening is none other than the Koch brothers. We love the Kochs. We love the Cokes. Actually, oh. uh, we don't. For the, oh, boys, wait, we and don't. boys and girls, for those no. of you that don't know the Koch brothers, there are two brothers here that are very heavily into the petrochemical, to the pipelines, to uh, the oil and gas industry, who are really not afraid to fund politicians uh, to deny climate change, uh, to try and destroy EVs. So they're specifically targeting electric vehicles because they've, what they've done in the past is fossil fuels good, fossil fuels good. They've decided that a better way to do it is renewables bad. Right. So they've created this, quote, nonprofit so that they can promote how bad, how costly electric vehicles are. They're no less polluting than gasoline vehicles. And it's a bunch of hogwash. Oh, it just, it hurts me because those same people who are reading the Architectural Digest will catch wind of some of this stuff and they'll say, well, I'm not going to buy one of those Teslas. You guys are insane. You don't really know what you're buying. You think you're buying something that's good for the environment, but it's not because look what I found. But it, and it tugs at your heartstrings. So they made this video where they show people mining, little children mining cobalt by hand right. in places. In what Africa, they leave out. Yeah. The, the, thing, the interesting thing is, is I think this is going to backfire on them, right? In this video, I they, hope. Have, they have pieces of Amnesty International saying, like, this is terrible. This are, these are being mined by children that are in terrible, terrible working conditions. But what they leave out is that a lot of this stuff is being used not just in electric cars, but in right. all kinds of electronics that we have in our pockets. So on one level, they're sort of shining a light on something that's just terrible generally across all forms of society. Society and trying to make it a reason for us not to buy EVs, but it's right. really a reason for us not to buy computers or phones right. or all kinds of other things. But what it should be is a reason for us 
to make sure that the people that we buy from fix their freaking supply chains right. and make sure this thing doesn't happen. Yeah, and I'm sitting here counting one, two, three, four, five, six different Apple devices running with lots of cobalt and other things in them. And yeah. are you still using an iPhone five? But it's not just yeah, it's not just Apple devices. It's Sam, you know, it's it's Android devices, it's PCs, it's right. all, it's all computers, all consumer electronics. They have this stuff in them. Yep. Let's fix uh, the way that this stuff is mined. Let's do that. So uh, this is really worth uh, reading because I've already had friends come out and say this, and they used to say this when the Prius came out. The Prius, well, it turns out that the Prius uses uh, three times as much energy to create than any other car, and you never get a return, which was crap. Solar panels, there's so much energy required to create silicon right. that uh, you never get a payback. And all that right. is not true. It's all been studied, and it shows like the payback for a modern solar panel is like six months. And then the next 30 years is all benefit. So, so read this stuff because this is the sort of the crap that – is fed to people in their bubbles. You talk about us being a bubble. Right. Their little bubbles, and they get no outside influence to say, well, actually, that's not true. So basically this article shows the Koch brothers' video that they made, and then it kind of goes step by step by step and 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 exposes the lies within the video. Yeah. And again, I feel like good for the Koch brothers to shine a light on, an in, on a terrible thing that's been happening environmentally and socially in other parts of the world but let's not make it about that evs are bad let's make it about electronic production is bad let's fix it we can fix it we can True. make it better so uh the next article was about Rolls royce but in summary they're skipping and going straight to evs is that That's what correct. this is isn't that great that you see a picture of an electric powered phantom a uh a uh, concept car or a one-up car of alpha version that they've made. And, yeah, Rolls-Royce is planning to go all electric. And no hybrids. That's awesome. And I don't know if you gentlemen knew this, but Rolls-Royce is one of the makers of the finest aircraft engines on the planet as well. So uh, if they get uh, electronic engine making down, that could have a big impact on the aviation industry as well. Yeah, well, that's one of uh, Elon's goals is to make electric jets because yeah. he said that was one of the things in the governor's meeting. And mm -hmm. I actually have an article about that we'll talk about maybe next week. So this is really exciting. Enough of cars. Enough of cars. Please. So, but, but this is a car show. Yeah, not really. It's a tech show. Well, okay, so the next thing we're going to talk about is? It's autonomous driving. Yeah, that's car-related, <laughs> is it not? Are you, do you not? Were you not paying attention to what was next? So, you know, it's it's good. I'm driving around in the Tesla with hardware, too. I'm I'm letting it drive itself. And Rub it in, Robert. Rub it in. <laughs> I'm so, boy. <laughs> cutting my intro. And so I'm driving it in all kinds of places where... You know, it's not meant really to be driving right on small roads, transitioning freeways, just, you know, really testing it and pushing it. And I've taken some videos of how badly it behaves at times and all with the hope that with my efforts, I will be training little Tesla to be a adult driver because right now it is not. You're like a little Tesla mentor. Yeah, I'm a Tesla driving instructor, but I'm not doing anything in comparison to Sherry Forrest. Sherry Forrest in this Wired magazine article, uh, they kind of highlight her for this article where there is big data going on. And you would think, I would think that it's like, wow, there are these tech people in Silicon Valley writing code and doing all these amazing, magical things with autonomous driving. And I was completely wrong. This article flips everything. And basically, Mighty AI is this app you can get right now. You can go right to the 
iTunes Store and get Mighty AI. Download it onto your, like, tablet or your computer, and you can use this. It's a sort of a game thing. It almost reminds me of the CAPTCHA. It, it's, uh, you, you'll pull up an image and you'll see like cars and street signs and uh, cones and pedestrians in a crosswalk. And you basically outline these things, like really closely outline them pixel by pixel. And you do this. It takes me, I don't know, 10 minutes to do a single picture. And this enables a computer then to use that image and the hundreds that came before and the hundreds that go after and and identify all the objects and learn what is important and what not to run over. Right? It's like a, a car. big metadata tagging system for images. And this is uh, this company is contracted with like ten major automobile companies taking their data from their cameras on cars and feeding them back data, and it's all done by individuals. Two hundred thousand people are quote, playing with this app and making a few shekels at the same time. Did you sign up, Robert? I did not. This is interesting because a friend of mine a decade or more ago was working on a computer program um, to determine if that object that you're looking at was a Coke can. And it was sort of at a computer science place. But basically, they'd take a Coke can and then they'd crumple it up or they'd smash it a different way or they'd hide it slightly behind a tree and then they'd have a computer look at it with a camera and decide Coke can, not Coke can, which sounds kind of silly, but it was sort of this theoretical thing. It's like, how smart can you get visual inputs into computers? And they found the same thing. This was over a decade ago. Human beings, in a second, in under bizarre circumstances, can go, that's Coke can, not yeah. Coke can, Kosh Coke can, uh, rusted Coke can, and the computer just had a huge hard time with it. And they decided to do the same thing. You know what's better? It's just to have a whole bunch of humans right. tell it, yes, no, and then over time it gets really good at picking the patterns about how you did it. But unfortunately, as in um, this case, I bet, over time the computer just gets so much better at the human right. and they don't know why or how the computer is doing it. But you feed it a lot of data and teach it and then it's like, I got it from here, Humi. I got yeah. this. And I thought they wrote this article just thinking about you, Mel, or us, because at the end they say maybe it will grow smart enough to identify, say, kangaroos. That would be flying kangaroos coming we, through my window. not wallabies. I think we need to then promote to all of our Australian listeners mm -hmm. that they should promote this program in Australia because yeah. here, I don't know that either of us would be so good at identifying kangaroos. I would be able to spot a kangaroo like nobody's business, Robert. What are you talking about? Like kangaroos. if you saw a kangaroo, kangaroo, you wouldn't be like, you would be like, is that a wombat? Is that... Is that a rat? I don't know. They're camouflaged. They're you know uh, in bush. Yeah. They're partially coming out of bush. I think Australians would be Having good at this. Have just been in the Maasai Mara with the Maasai? Their um, their ability to see lions and bad things and not bad things by looking uh -huh. is pretty amazing. Very trained. They're like uh, okay, lion over there. I'm like, what are you talking about? Until hey, we get five feet from like, oh my, I, hey, where did you see that? How did you? Yeah, amazing. if I drove twenty thousand miles a year, all the time looking for kangaroos in the day and the night. I could be really good, yeah. but I am. Yes. Yeah, I am not. I'm kind of actually scared to drive around Australia. Because what if I was driving through Australia and I didn't recognize a kangaroo coming yeah. at me? Yeah, you might be uh, gone. Or... I was like, what is that? Th oh, oh crap. that's a kangaroo. Hey, uh, California is changing its roads for self-driving cars. I just thought this was a little bit interesting. I don't know who put this yeah. in here. I did. Uh, but the idea was that California is allowing self-driving. They've sort of 
allowed a lot of car manufacturers to come here and play. But actually, California as a state has said, look, we're sort of buying into this concept. And they're doing some very mm-hmm. simple things to make driving autonomously a lot easier. And just a few examples. And one, safer. And safer. One would be the little lines on the road are about four inches. It mm-hmm. turns out that uh, right now, if you make them about six inches and you paint them really nicely – the cars can see the lines a lot better and talking, drive a lot better. Talking about the width of the line. The width of the and lines. And they don't really even like that they're separated. They want to make them more solid yes. as well. And, and they're getting also, rid of some of the little bumpy things that we used to use here and yeah. putting better lines in. It's the end of the bots dots. How do you feel about bots that, dots. Robert? You know, this is within one year of the death mm-hmm. of the inventor, right? Didn't we, didn't we talk yeah. about him from the obituary standpoint? We were very excited about the bots dots. We learned a lot about them. It turns out... Autonomous vehicles don't like bots dots. They don't need bots dots. They want lines. So it's a new world now, Tom. New world. If AI vehicle doesn't like it, it's out of here. AI gets what (laughs) AI gets. What's interesting to me is that California has had people testing autonomous driving on their roads for Mm -hmm. 20 years. Unreal. We're just seeing this sort of inflection point of this uptick, but it's been going on for a while. How many companies are testing AI vehicles in California right now? How many? How many? How many, Robert? How 36. many? Thirty-six. That's more than thirty. Less than forty. That's, That's a lot amazing. of companies. It's a lot and of companies. California runs two separate autonomous vehicle, or I should say, vehicle testing grounds that they've opened up to all of these autonomous uh, companies. So, in this article, one interesting thing kind of stood out to me. They were having these conversations about the um, like putting uh, autonomous vehicles in making lanes specifically for just autonomous vehicles, right? So, that if you have cool. a bunch of autonomous vehicles, they could drive a hundred miles an hour really close together. You could have a lot of density, and there's some questions back and forth about that but one thing that that was brought up in this article was imagine what some of the stuff that we've talked about over the years is you go to work yeah right you you're and you let your car onto the tesla network it could and and it gets a pickup but that pickup is 20 miles away right you could have a vehicle driving empty 20 miles to make that pickup you get you could have this weird thing about these empty load drives all around which could in a weird way increase the amount of vehicles on the road that aren't doing anything useful, right. which Unless, I thought was actually pretty fascinating to think about. That's part of the AI. We need to let the AI know, no, you can't pick up Tom 20 miles away unless you've got two or three rides to link to get to Tom. Right. But that's, you know, but those are the kinds of things that at the beginning of the process might slow down the implementation, right? Because if I'm out there 20 miles away and and there's only your car on the network, uh, that car's just not going to come get to me. So I'm not going to use that network again. I don't want to see all these dead load drives. I agree. Did you guys see the movie Logan? Yes. No. So there was a scene in Logan where there was like a car that had gotten run off the road with a nice family in it. And uh, Logan's on the other side and he's trying to run across the highway to help them. And there are these huge trucks. They just look like two containers on wheels just zipping along. There were no cabs, no drivers. They were completely AI. This is the first time I'd actually seen it, visually seen it. And it was a little scary, I have to say. Yeah. I have to say. Was it as scary as a uh, hairy Australian man with adamantium in him running around chopping people's heads off? Nice. Yeah, it's cool. (laughs) Uh, Have you seen uh, Deadpool? Yes. No. Deadpool, uh, it's not for the kids. But it's hysterical. I just watched the trailer for uh, Deadpool 2 where um, he talks about uh, Logan. Ask me if I'll see Deadpool 2. Will you see Deadpool 2? Uh, no. 
It's hysterical. This one's right up your alley, Tom. No, it's not. I think it'd be great to watch it with All you. All right, let's talk about Google's people and AI research who are setting out to solve artificial stupidity. What are you talking about? Hey, my yeah. stupidity is real. It is not art of... Oh, we're not... Never mind. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, I can just say to uh, Siri, what's Tesla's stock price today? Siri, not going to tell you. Tesla is down $10.42 today, or 3.18%. Oh, well. It actually worked this time. You know, I would give it a one out of three chance. In fact, sometimes when I talk with Siri, all I get is aggravated. My wife has told me to just stop. Just stop when I'm around her because she doesn't like be yelling at the computer. But I find myself doing that a lot. And this article from Wired.com talks about uh, all supposedly smart helpers, including Siri, Google Assistant, and Alexa, are capable of frustrating feats of artificial stupidity. And so Google's created this new tool organization called PEAR, which stands for People Plus AI Research. And they announced that just this last week. They're putting together this sort of open source it's not completely open source, but it is somewhat open source uh, toolbox for AI developers who can get a better look into the AI because a lot of it is a black box. And they also want to make it so that it's easier for people such as, let's say, physicians, let's say radiologists who are using AI to help go in and look at x-rays. And they, the AI gives them back some crazy like result. And they're like, what? It allows them to sort of look in and see like what's really going on there, how can we fix this or modify this or help this system to be better? They also, uh, in this article, there was a announcement of a new organization called Ethics and Governance of Artificial Intelligence Fund. Uh, one of the investors is the founder, co-founder of LinkedIn, and they're going to give close to $8 million in grants to civil society organizations uh, to help study the change that AI may cause in both labor markets and the criminal justice system. Because we, we talked back, oh, I don't know, half a year ago about this guy who wrote an AI program to help you get out of parking tickets. And it was very effective, more than, I guess, any lawyer. So, you know, to see judges replaced by AI uh, was in the sort of mindset of some of these forward-looking people. And it would be really bad if, you know, you, you sped on the highway and you got a ticket and it said, life sentence life sentence how do you plead not guilty incorrect let's talk more about the gigafactory because talking about ai makes me really <laughs> anxious oh wait 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 it's a new thing to make you really anxious first we had the environment yes and then we had falcon wing doors yes supercharging thank you and now ai I think there might be something wrong with you. I think uh, I might be non-functional uh, <laughs> in a couple more shows. Oh, I'll just poor buddy, hey, you but need a hug. in electric, we talked about the the fact that there's going to be two or three more gigafactories based in the US, which giga, is giga, cool giga, giga, and giga, good giga. and lovely, and it's about thirty percent done, and it's huge. Go check out the pictures. But where do all these workers live? Yeah, they live in dormitories. In, uh, in Reno, it turns out Tesla, during the summer when the students are gone, are actually renting dormitory space for engineers because they don't have enough living space in Reno. The Reno uh, real estate market has gone absolutely crazy. Bonkers. Yeah. And so I don't know where I put this article, but basically um, they're both uh, renting dorm space for like 32 bucks a night. And uh, they're working – and this was kind of a secret uh, – I think it was uh, Fred or somebody over at Electric was sort of sussing this out, that they were 
uh, working with a particular researcher at University of Nevada, Reno, who is specializing in big truck engines and propulsion systems. And the thinking is that they're really collaborating on the Tesla Semi. Interesting. Let's talk about superchargers. And I've got a couple of articles here before we get into what's new. But Tesla.com forward slash charging. Mm -hmm. There is now a supercharger estimator ahead of the Model 3 Mm -hmm. sort of uh, reveal and production. And if you go on there, you can now sort of see how much money you're saving and you can put in the gas prices, you can put in your electric price and it'll give you this thing. Now, I thought it was about supercharging. But when you go into this thing and you put in... Cost to supercharge. I thought it was going to be about, you know, like, it's going to be 16 cents per kilowatt hour to uh-huh. supercharge. Nothing there about the supercharging cost. It's really about no. savings of gas versus your electricity. Well, there's two things, actually. It's about how long is it going to take you to charge your vehicle based on three different options. It gives you three different right. options, right? So you click one. It'll tell you, you – first you put in how many – there's a slider. How many miles do you drive a day, yep. right? And then it'll say – uh, how can you charge 50 watts, 50 amp, 100 amp, uh, just a standard plug-in? How long is it going to take you to get that amount of mileage? And then sort of ancillarily, uh, how much is it going to cost versus the equal amount of driving done uh, with petrol based on a cost of X per gallon? And you can put in all these variables, right? How much does your gas cost? How much does your electricity cost? How much do you drive? So it will tell you it's very, very... Uh, sort of democratic. It'll it'll let you know exactly what you could save per day, per week, per right. month, uh, based on all of your very very particular charging needs. Not supercharging. Wasn't that kind of there before? I sort of remember that being somewhat there before. It seems like a modification. Maybe it's a slight improvement. Yeah. But one thing it is not, which is interesting because all of these headlines are saying, oh, there's a new supercharger calculator. It is not for supercharging, at least in the iteration on my computer. I think the reason that this has now been committed to the Tesla.com website is so that when people see the prospect of paying for their supercharging, they have sort of a way to point and say, look, you're actually going to save money, even though, yes, you get 400 kilowatt hours free, and then you're going to have to pay for your supercharging to go on your family trip to wherever, Saskatchewan. Uh, you're going to actually save money over gasoline in your Tesla because it's fixed at something like 22 miles per gallon equivalent vehicle. Uh, they're going to have to actually change that for Model 3 versus Model S versus Model X because Model 3 is you know, going to be equivalent to a car that probably gets closer to 32 or 35 miles per gallon. But in the long run, this is a way to justify paying for your supercharging. It will also help explain that cost of ownership thing that's on the main order page, right? Where it's like, oh, you can save $5,000 in petrol uh, costs over the five years, you know, which they kind of factor into the price of the car. This way you can actually kind of figure out what that really is for you specifically. So right. I agree with what Tom's saying and I disagree with what Robert's saying because it doesn't do that. It doesn't tell me how much supercharging is going to cost me to drive to Saskatchewan or wherever right now. It's no, blank. It you click on supercharging and all the little numbers go away. And I'll tell you why. It says tesla.com forward slash charging, not Tesla.com forward slash 
supercharging. Because that's what I want to see. Not that I care because I'm driving on electricity. I'm not driving on gas. But I thought it would be, here's the cost of supercharging. We've finally decided what it's going to be in your region. And it costs you $20 to drive to San Francisco on gas. And it's going to cost you 10 bucks on the supercharging network. Look, isn't that great? Everybody calm down. But it's not doing that right now. So that's annoying. Because they haven't announced what that cost is going to be. And they have to do it region by region. Like we've got an Australian who's asking in a letter about you know petrol versus electricity. Let's move on and talk about the largest supercharger station in the entire world from Leipzig. This should make you feel nice and calm and it makes yummy. Me feel, it makes me feel a little bit better, Robert. Fuzzy, Thank you. yes. So uh, some of us are worried about uh, the charging infrastructure. Some of us. Some of us. Mostly me. Uh, Tesla has been adding more. And we've now got these Tesla charging stations that have up to 20 little nose hosels that you can plug into your car. We like that. <laughs> nose hosels? Yeah, I believe that's what they call. Okay. <laughs> There's a new beast coming to Kettleman City, California. On Highway 5, which they say is about halfway between L.A. and San Francisco, I actually didn't look at where Kettleman City is because I've never heard of it before. It is about halfway. Kettleman City is lovely. Is it? Okay. So they're going to have a supercharger station that has 40, yes, 40 superchargers in the standard configuration, AB stalls, um, and it's going to have a lounge, Mm. and it's going to have a solar array. Oh, yeah. And on the plans that Electric has, it's also going to have an air for food trucks. And an area to plug in EV vans. Yeah, a large bathroom. Large bathroom. And a big place to go wee wees and number twos. I think it's very, very cool. So there's a lot of stuff at this particular stop in Kettleman City, a bunch of restaurants. There's two hotels. There's a hotel right next door. If you go into uh, the Google Maps, and I put a link to the very specific spot in the Google Maps, you can see a hotel right next door to this location that Tesla has taken over, and that hotel is covered in solar panels, so you could park your Tesla, stay in a hotel that's got a whole bunch of solar panels. You can have a good good thing. There are three accessible spots in these plans, and... Uh, so if you have an accessible placard, you can park there. I do wonder if they're going to allow, to have regular charging in those accessible spots for the new Chrysler Pacifica, right, has mm-hmm. an electric thing. And obviously there's a bunch of EVs that people could have accessible stickers for. I'm I'm curious if they're going to offer regular charging or just supercharging. So this, I believe, will be the beginning. Beginning of the future of EV charging. So you're going to have these metro stations. They're going to have places to buy your little Diet Coke and uh, your sandwiches. And there's going to be 40, 50, 60 of these spots. And it'll be much more like sort of the classic petrol station, gas station that uh, we have right now in the United States. And I expect that many of those petrol stations, gas stations will be converted to such things. And especially if you think about what we just spoke about, which is there's going to be a charge for supercharging, right? People are going to expect something out of that. They don't want to just pull up into the middle of the, like you can pull up into the middle of the desert to plug into a supercharger if it's free and there's nothing open around you, right? Like you can deal with that. But if you're pulling up and you're paying four or five dollars to fill your Tesla, you're going to want to feel like you're getting something for that. I want uh, somewhere to go whizzy whiz. That's all I ask for. That's it? Well, actually, a nice vending machine to load myself up yeah. Mountain Dew so that next time I stop, I can go whizzy whiz again. So I do wonder if there's always going to be an attendant on duty to make sure that the you know the bathrooms are cleaned and that people aren't falling asleep on the couches for hours at a time, right? Sort of to control. Why are you looking that at me, be, Tom? 
I don't know, because you like to fall asleep on couches in random places. And they fall asleep in their phones, not alerting them that they're getting idle fees charged at some <laughs> yeah. ginormous amount. And, of course, all of these attendants will be robots, and then they'll take over the world. Look, um, could this also be a 350-kilowatt charger station? Because Elon has said version 3.0 is coming, and uh, it'll be linked with things like solar panels and big batteries. I'd like to answer that question. Go. It could be. <laughs> Thank you. That, that would be really cool because, uh, you know, somebody's already made. Who was already doing this? Already no, made that's a not high, true. high voltage. You're making this up. No. Who could possibly be doing this? It's true. Porsche <gasps> has announced yes. the opening of the first 350 kilowatt That's a lot of kilowatts. Station. Remember, the Tesla is rated at 120, 130, although you, you never get more than 90. Yeah, well, I've gotten I've gotten over a hundred, but yeah, one twenty one twenty is about as good as you're going to see. One thirty five is the theoretical limit, the, but so many things, and and they're going to have the same limitations, right? If the voltage is not quite a hundred percent of what the uh, max is, uh, or there's some fluctuation in the grid in that area, they're going to have some dip off. But in Germany now, there are no cars that can plug in. But in Germany now, they have this 350-kilowatt charging station that's opened. So they built infrastructure without structure? Yes. So the only Crazy. car that's going to be able to charge this fast coming soon for Porsche is supposedly the Mission E, yes. which doesn't arrive till 2019. So this is either a big deal, like they're committing, they're going to have really fast charges, we're going to start building it out now, or it's a publicity stunt. Yeah. Well, how much did this all cost, and how much does it cost to try and grab some press away from Tesla? But the cool thing is that the second 350 kilowatt charging station is going to be in Atlanta. Yeah. So Isn't that's that the lost city that's underwater? No, the American city. <laughs> so actually, they in this article in Clean Technica, they talk about you know there's going to be one in Atlanta, and then they go back and they talk about this Berlin one. Berlin. But they've built this monolith, this 80 foot tall, 20 foot wide, covered in solar panels, 8,000 solar panels, million dollar costing 88 ton being thing, which is associated with this 350 watt charger, kilowatt charger, I assume that these two articles are the same, but they built this giant solar array thing, and that really looks like, to me, for publicity. And it worked, because I'm like, that thing looks cool. Dita, look what we have built. I would like to plug something into it, but we have nothing. You know, Get so the mission E quickly. In this Clean Technica article, the little picture of this black monolith of solar energy looks very strikingly like the initial tesla monolith for the supercharger in hawthorne mm, that's was, very interesting there was an made... initial monolith in it's still hawthorne? there at the hawthorne design center it sits in this like pool of very still water alongside the supercharger and that was the sort of backdrop for when elon announced that superchargers were being created it is an homage and it was like, that's what the supercharger is going to look like? And they never did it again. That was the only uh, only place I've ever seen it until now. Um, please, all Germans who would like to complain about the fact <laughs> that uh, Tom cannot do a German accent at all. We have stolen uh, your monolith. Uh, please direct them directly to him. Let's do a supercharger update. There are so many. I'm getting excited about how many there are. Please 
summarize. Go. This is like, you know, a mood swing show. We go down and now we come uh, back up. Yeah, this was such a large list of superchargers that have opened that are going into construction or going into permitting that I actually had to shrink down my web page to get them all in. We've got six newly opened superchargers, one in the United States, two in Mexico. That doubles Mexico's capacity. And three in Europe. I, I found this one uh, in U.S. is in Rock Springs, Wyoming. Rock Springs. It's a energy-rich region with many oil and natural gas wells and is known for the home of the 56 nationalities. I thought this was just a perfect amalgam of both old and energy and tolerance and compassion. So it turns out that uh, Rock Springs was where a big uh, store of coal and other liquid petroleum products exist, and people flooded there long time ago. In fact, over the years, 56 different uh, ethnic organiz- uh, or ethnic communities have come there to work in the mines and extracting oil, and they've created this uh, summer event called International Day, where they they celebrate the city's rich cultural heritage, and uh, people bring out food and costumes, and it sounds really nice. I think uh, uh, going to Burning Park in Rock Springs, Wyoming, uh, in the summertime for the International Day Festival would be a cool thing to do. There are no superchargers opening in Germany. Is it because we have stolen your monolith? Okay, enough with the model authority. <laughs> Let's talk about SpaceX and aerospace. Can we do that? Yeah, well, so there's, there's like a cool uh, bit. There's a lot of stuff that floats around the space enthusiast world that has to do with a lot of kind of like uh, futuristic, we'll probably never see it kind of news. But this one caught me because it had actual details about producing a base on the moon. And, of course, Google has a prize or a next prize to get something landed on the moon. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of people are racing to do that, although it has to be done, something. I think, by the end of 2019. or Something landed on the moon. Right. They have to beam back pictures. And, uh, you know, there are certain requirements to win the million or 10 million or whatever it is. I'll take it. Did I win? So this this article talks about a moon base. They would put it at the south pole of the moon, and that way they could pitch – uh, solar panels on the edge of a crater that happens to be there, oriented in such a way that they can get 24-7 sunlight uh, to the panels on one side of the crater wall. And on the inside of the crater wall, there's ice, ice to make... For the cocktails? Water to make, yes, to make a martini, for mm, example. Delicious. Shaken, not stirred. <laughs> and so they could use that water as well to make uh, methane... To power rocket engines. So this could be a way station on which you send people and equipment and such from Earth to Moon, refuel it there, and take off towards Mars or other deep space uh, destinations. In addition, it turns out there's an asteroid circling the Moon. Did you know that? Yippee! There is? There is. And it is rich in things like cadmium and the other, quote, rare earth metals that we use in our electronic devices. And if we could harvest an asteroid, in other words, pull this stuff out of an asteroid in a place (laughs) in which we— pulled it out of his asteroid. (laughs) (laughs) But um, 
if we could pull this stuff out of an asteroid and not pollute the planet, not, you know, put arsenic into the drinking water, not contaminate the groundwater, not do strip mining, how much more attractive would it be to generations in the future to do all of our mining in space. Okay, a couple of things here. First of all, I didn't know there was a part of the moon that was always in sun. Mm-hmm. I didn't know the moon had an asteroid. And if you go into space and mine, you're going to bring back an alien that's going to kill us all. That's exactly right. You're going to bring back some sort of space pollution that's not good on Earth. And things are going to go south very, very quickly. Just so you know, this article isn't so much an article as it is a press release from mm-hmm. the company Moon Express. Mm-hmm. So take that with the grain of the salt, as it were. It's pretty cool. This company plans on 3D printing the engines, which is, I don't know, that seems like uh, a really good idea. Sweet. They also talk about, uh, in another article that I read, going up to the moon, having all this stuff powered, creating energy, etc., and with and building like livable structures without a single person going to begin with doing this all with robots and are they going to 3d print the weapons to kill the alien <laughs> with the acid for blood i think you guys need to get back to the movie theater robots, robots. oh speaking of which i went and saw uh, how the apes are going to take over the planet as well mm-hmm. uh, it's wow. pretty good there's no limit to the amount of bad movies you people will watch that was actually very good was it yeah okay cool war for yeah. the planet of the apes very good although if i edited i could have taken 45 minutes out anyway go on <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's a, a piece here about a, quote, aerospace guru who talks about SpaceX and why they're reusing rockets. It's not because they can reduce the amount of material mm-hmm. that they are going to expend to make things cheaper. The, he posits that the reason SpaceX is reusing rockets is simply to be able to feed their high-speed re-firing of rockets. So to be able to send up a rocket every week, every three days, every other day— multiple times a day, mm-hmm. you need to have an enormously quick turnaround, mm-hmm. and you're not going to be able to do that by remanufacturing all the parts. You're going to want to have basically like an auto shop or an airplane hangar where you basically bring in the vehicle, say, oh, let's check it all out. Everything checks out just great, or have the robots uh-huh. check it all out, and then, boom, put it right back up tomorrow. So it's not about saving money. It's about making money, which means it's still about money. Money, 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 money. Tell us about the launches that are coming up in August. So we talked about these last week. I just want to keep it on everybody's radar. On the 10th of August at 11.07 a.m. from Launch Complex 39A in Florida. Oh, excuse me. 824 and 828. There's going to be two more launches. Keep Keep tuned. Stay tuned. I'm hoping for a big one in the evening so that we could do a live show, but that hasn't happened for a while. Hyperloop and Tesla's boring oh tunnels, God. please. Let's Hyperloop talk about one. Hyperloop, Hyperloop one. one. You remember that company? That was one of the big ones that started in the beginning that had the whole rash of uh, lawsuits and fighting and the one of the uh, one of the founders Brogan Bambrogan split off it was a big messy thing well anyway they're continuing to move forward they must have enough money and still enough expertise on board uh, they did a sled test uh, this was last year. You saw it like kind of hit the sand and sand flew up that and everybody fun. got excited and we said, why? And now they've actually completed a tube that's like a half a mile long. They made it into a vacuum. They put the sled in the tube and then there's video. You can watch the sled on these like nice hard plastic wheels rolling and then it becomes 
Uh, it goes up, it levitates using magnets, and it's powered using magnets, and it achieved like 200 miles an hour. It was sort of a test of um, the system. It seemed to work. They showed off the Hyperloop One pod, which is this kind of big black not too exciting looking, but it doesn't really matter because if they can just shove a cargo container in it and send it to San Francisco in 10 minutes or 20 minutes at a cost of a fraction and not run big trucks, I'm all for it. And uh, let's finish up with, uh, you know, one or two more stories before we get to our letters. So a geeky story, uh, the Chinese they're they're getting they're getting even more sophisticated. They used uh, they teletransported a particular object, a very very small object, using quantum physics. Was it Mel's brain? <laughs> to the asteroid. That didn't go. Well. Didn't work at all. <laughs> <laughs> didn't work. No, no. I like how it. we just let that one sit. Yeah, there. you just let it sit. <laughs> this is no. just a just a cool article from the BBC. Made me think of Star Trek, and you know the. Transporter. Mm -hmm. So they sent like a proton or a photon from Earth to satellite to a satellite in space. Yeah, yeah, instantaneous. And, and, then, the you actual and then you read it, and it's like, well, they didn't actually transport it at all. They no. just made one little proton photon thing up in space, uh -huh. identical to the one that's in the Earth, meaning that they're really the same thing. But it didn't actually transport there, and it's all about quantum mechanics. Who nobody understands. Nobody knew. How hard quantum theory is. It's all was. about that cat. I just, you know? I really... Is know, the cat... When Einstein and quantum mechanics comes in, it's like, uh, I don't get this. When mm -hmm. the smartest guy in the history of humanity goes, I really don't know what you're talking about. How am I expected to know what quantum theory is? You're not. You're not expected to know. You, don't, just, you can't they've be got, They say they've got little things that go back in time. That right. quantum theory says that stuff can go back in time, that you can create something across the uh -huh. other side of the universe that's identical, therefore it's the same. I don't know what you people are talking about. We could go back in time and Doppel. maybe start the show again. It might be better. Doppelgangers. No? Doppelgangers? I, I don't understand. Yeah. You want to do a media pick? I do. I saw some uh, media that was really exciting and heartfelt and touching. It was called Land Philharmonic. It was a story about a region next to the capital of Paraguay, a country I don't think we've ever mentioned on this show, ever. And so Paraguay, landlocked country in South America, it's not known for its democracy or its fair politics, but it turns out there's this enormous trash dump there where thousands of people live and harvest from the trash dump all sorts of things, including one guy who's ingenious, I think ingenious, and sees in discarded scrap like an oil can that he could make a cello. And this guy starts making instruments. It, he catches the eye of a fellow who went down there from the university to try and train people how to more effectively harvest the trash, right, for recycling and repurposing. And, and that thing kind of falls apart. But this guy, obviously well-educated, uh, takes on this fellow's, like, knack for making instruments, shows him other instruments, and they end up making a orchestra using the kids— from this trash pile, the kids are the people who harvest the trash, and it's it's a fantastic story. It takes you up and down and up and down, and it's just, I just can't recommend it enough. All right, that's a good media pick of the week. Uh, my media pick of the week is War for the Planet of the Apes. Uh, okay, it is the prequel to the original one from the 1960s. Um, Tom, there are apes. What? And they talk. Hold on a second. So is there... 
are the are they on a like a, a round spherical thing in the solar system? They're on the Earth. Oh, it's Earth. it's a really good movie. I went to see it with my son, which was you know fun because I don't get to hang out with my son that much anymore. He's got yeah. the car and the girlfriend, so Teenager. you can imagine you never see him. But uh, we oh, both damn. really liked it. But guess what? What? So many long drawn out scenes <laughs> that are supposed to build up your emotion. I'm like, we both went through them like. If that was, it was two hours, 20 minutes. If that was an hour and 30 minutes, that would have been a stunning movie. I mean, it's so well shot and acted and really well done. But they made it too long. So Mm. I'm just saying, I like it. It's too long. Movie theaters would have loved that because they could have put an extra show in a day. Yeah. Made a bunch more money. Shall we do some some letters? Popcorn. Let's do some letters. We like letters. I like letters. Marlo Zwedinski, who is, uh, you know, friend of the show. (laughs) Zwedzinski. It doesn't matter how many times <laughs> I read it, it's going to be a problem. That's correct. It will be a problem. There's been Oy a lot vey. of articles about this, and he sends us a link, which is Big Oil have been doing the math, and they say, boy, EVs are going to be a bit of a problem for us, and they're going to reduce the amount of oil we need substantially, particularly in the next sort of 20-ish years. Car makers, on the other hand, say, actually, oil makers, you're way off. Um, we're actually planning on having pretty much a fully EV fleet before 2040. So uh, your estimates, although they are aggressive, are wrong. Oopsie. These stories make me feel very happy. (laughs) William Brown. uh, William is from the Climate Awareness uh, Network, and he has one. He wants a one-word answer from the three of us, all right? You ready? S or X. Tom, one-word answer. S or X. S. Robert, S or X. S. Mel, S or X. Yes. That's so painful because it really depends know, on your personal usage it's, needs. It's a really very difficult letter, William. I've, I'd like to go into more detail, but he wouldn't give us any more uh, I opportunity. I have carried more crap in my Model S than, I mean, Home Depot runs, cement, you name it. But if you had a new X with folding second row seats, you could carry more. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but that means I would have to lift more. Okay, let me do this again. I want a one-word answer. We're going to follow from William Brown here. One-word answer. Ready? Tom, S, X, 3, Y. Three. Robert, S, X, 3, or Y? I love my S. I love my S. One-word answer. S. S. Mel, S, X, 3, or Y? Why? Why not? Go on. David Sell, Oxenard Supercharger. Um, he is a bit confused about whether there is a second supercharger in Oxenard. Robert's or if fault. there are more stalls, and there are more stalls. Is that correct, Robert? Yeah, they, they've added more stalls to the Oxenard Supercharger on, on the other side of the big sign that sits, whatever, in the lot. But I'm still convinced they're probably going to do more superchargers there. Although, he says the emblem has has blanked off the supercharger giant map, and, and that saddens me greatly. Yeah, so this is a local issue, but it looked like there was going to be another supercharger on the other side of the right. freeway, a little further down. But he's telling us that that little emblem thing has gone away. It was an erroneous pin. Brian Anderson, I like to call him Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Talking about uh, power monitoring, and a number of people have given us uh, some links to various gauges. This is one called eGauge.net. Uh, remember last week we were talking about, wouldn't it be great if you could plug something into your panel and work out where all the energy in your house is going, right. and then uh-huh. you could be better at finding out where it's going. So this is one of them. Reduce. Reduce, reuse, recycle. So this is like the first R. And 
I was just impressed with how many people wrote to us about home energy monitoring. This is a hot topic. Yeah, and we'll talk more about them in a second. Here's one from Ian McKinnon. Ian McKinnon is talking about narrow Edinburgh roads, <laughs> right? And he tells us that they're quite, they're quite narrow, but you can learn how to go around each other because you're Scottish. And if it's not Scottish, it's crap. And then he asks, is there anybody going to be around a little later in the year that could take me through the Fremont factory? Because I'm a reservation holder, but I don't actually have the ability to go to the Fremont factory. So if you're interested in taking a Scot around and probably drinking whiskey, then let us know and we'll tell him. I think he should get to the Tesla Motors Forum website and sign up and put that want out there. And I bet you you'll have two or three people offer to take you to the factory or take you along on a tour because who of us doesn't want to go on another factory tour? I think that at some point, if he puts his date, yes. the chances of you being at the Fremont factory you? at that date, no, you, Robert, you, Robert, me? You, Robert yeah. being ah. at the Fremont, are pretty high because I think you take that tour once every couple of months. Yeah, well, I've taken it twice this year. Yeah, I think you're like the person who buys the Disneyland annual pass. <laughs> you feel the need to go then all the time. And he gets in the tram and he's fully head to toe in like Tesla swag. It's pretty awesome. You are one of those Disneyphiles, but for Tesla. David Hein, hit him with the Hein, is an Aussie that says, uh, you know, you say that uh, it's cheaper to run an electric car than it is a gas car, but I pay dollar uh, fifteen per liter for petrol, and I pay thirty five cents for electricity. And am I really getting it less? And I did some math, and I say it looks like to me you're still getting uh, to drive your EV for less um, for the fuel than uh, your petrol. Yeah, like half the price but but per a, mile. But there's a lot of math there, and that's why that Tesla slidey slidey thing is very useful on Ooh, the website. It would be good. You yeah. can put in, here's how much I pay for kilowatt hour for electricity. Here's how much gas is in my local area. How much am I going to save? For most people here in the United States, you are going to end up spending a half to a third to a quarter, but it depends on which state. For example, in Hawaii, Hawaiian electricity is super expensive. I don't know how much a wine gas is. So it all depends. But the cheapest way to get your car um, energized is to put up your own solar panels. And amortized over time, it becomes ridiculously inexpensive. Unless you live in a windy spot and you can throw up a windmill or two on your property. And there is some movement in uh, residential windmills, which uh, we will talk about in coming weeks. It has been that windmills needed to be really big and very expensive. Like but tall. There's a, these companies are now having these very uh, small, stick them outside, stick them on your roof, don't need much wind speed, you can make electricity coming soon. I think Ed Begley on one of his shows had a vertical turbine, a yeah. vertical wind turbine. Egg so it was like a, like a taller... Uh, a cylindrical kind of thing that would capture the wind. And, and I, when that thing, that was years and years ago, and I thought that was genius because you could literally put that anywhere. Alan Hill asked the question, look, I'm in Texas. Tejas. I'm a Model 3 reservation holder. Mm-hmm. I'd really like to get it faster, and I'm being told that if you live in California, you can get it faster. Should I use a residential address from a California relative to get my Model 3, Tom? Now, I think he could go into his My Tesla because as a reservation holder, he has a My Tesla account. He could change his address to California, which would 
theoretically bump him up, I guess, if the computer was really checking that algorithm regularly and was like, oh, somebody moved to California. They get bumped up on the thing. However, he might have some issues if he took delivery in California. He would pay license and registration in California. Right. And then if he took that same car to Texas, he might have to pay license and registration again unless he was a scofflaw for a year until registration was kind of up. Right. He would, however, be paying... Uh, insurance premiums, I think, on some levels based on a car that's registered in California. So, again, I don't know. There's a lot of things that are kind of maybe working against him in that particular situation. You know, I was warning what to do with my two reservations for the Model 3 because I don't really need it, but I've got two reservations. And it turns out now, having said that on the show and talked to a few of friends and relatives, I need about 15 reservations for all of the people that said, could you buy that and I'll buy it off you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, my wife said something like, you know, I'm kind of enjoying... Robert's old Model S now. Maybe, maybe I'll not get the Model Three and you know let someone else buy it. And I was like, "You what? That's your name's not on that. My name's on that. What are you doing? What? What? You're you're what? married, Robert. I want the car just to send it off on the network and to make me money. Yes, and I want you to hold on to your reservation so I can have the D when it comes out. Well, actually, that's what I was thinking. Is like. Do I buy these two, sell them to people, and then put reservations for two more so that I can get a D a year from now? Right. So I buy the first car as it comes out for my own personal use. It's not dual motor. That's it for my reservation. I only have the one. I Right? I've used it up. Yes. And now, uh, six months from now, they put out the dual motor, and I'm like, oh, I really want the dual dual motor, but I'm not on the list anymore. And then I go to my friend Mel or my friend Robert, and I say, hey, buddy, can you – uh, use your outstanding uh, reservation that you haven't yet used, but you haven't gotten rid of, and you're at the very top of the list. Right. Can I now, uh, please, sir, may I have a D? And you say, of course you can, because we've spent so many hours in a room together. How could I know anybody else more deserving than you, Tom, to have one of my secondary reservations? Mel, however, is like, you can't have my second reservation. But wait, have you seen people are getting notified now? That they're going to be able to choose their configuration by the end of the year? No. Yes. Yeah, somebody sent out a web screenshot of the, the message that they got from Tesla saying, thank you for reserving your Model 3. You're going to be able to choose your configuration before the end of the year. It's sort of like a pre pre pre-announcement, pre but it's movement. You know what scares me more than anything? What? Is that I'm going to get that email, Yes, and it's going to go into my junk mail folder, oh, yeah. and I'm never going to see it. So I am constantly logging into my Tesla to see if uh, I get a little button that says, your configurator is open, we're waiting for you, because I don't want to be bypassed by somebody else. I need to know. Ian Abercrombie of Abercrombie and Finch, I believe, I don't think that's uh, says uh, this Model Three center display thing. Everybody is still wicking out, and he's just another person who said, you know, Minis have had these multiple cars have had, you know, no heads up sort of in dash display, and is that they true? do fine. Yes, yeah, there is a lot of cars when you start doing it. Well, there's quite a few. Brett, uh, or should I say, Brit, Brett with one T, talking about home energy monitoring, and he sends us a link to this thing called Sense which is a little red box, and you have an electrician, and you hook it up to your electrical panel. It sends out a Wi-Fi signal, and over time, it learns whether the fridge is on, whether the uh, microwave is on, whether the lights are on, by looking at the signature of the electricity that's being sucked from the panel. And it tells you over time, it tells you over time, uh, 
what's what. It looks pretty cool. I'm super interested, about 300 bucks. So I think next time the electrician's around, I might get one of these puppies installed. Can I'm you really buy me one? He talks, no. about, uh, he talks about the limitations. And so I talked about Nurio last week. There's, like, f- there's another Australian one somebody wrote us about. So again, we had a lot of activity on this front. But this fellow uh, is basically saying that uh, it's not ready for prime time. Like 50% of his energy usage, it could not identify. And it continues to learn over time, but he's had it for like two months. Months. That's what's mm. happening in the basement. That's why I couldn't identify yeah. it. Yeah. No, he says little things. Like he has like two printers and it can't tell the two of them apart because they're different. I mean, they're the same brand of printer. So they both have the same electronic signature when they power up. Same thing for his stove. It has two heating elements. He has an electric stove and the two heating elements look identical. So it looks like he has two, I should say oven. He has two ovens. But he doesn't. He has one oven, but it has two heating elements. So these uh, – and you can go back and you can retrain it and it's just like a nerd time suck. It's very sounds cool. <laughs> it's, it sounds very cool, but I think it's kind of got to get a little bit more developed. Yeah, I'm, more, I'm not interested in that granular level. I'm more like what is the lights versus the air conditioner versus the pool Yeah, but it might not learn the lights. If you have all – these lights are all the same light. They all look the same. I, but I did learn one new word. He says, when this thing gets developed and it trains up, it'll be clutch. Clutch. That's you just a, learned clutch? I just learned clutch. Wow. Cool. Like, I mean, I know the, the clutch. Word, like is clutch now, hitter. I know that clutch is now a word that is lost. It's a, right? because it's no a sporting term. Vehicles don't have clutches anymore. Wait a minute. This is a vehicle show. Vehicles don't have clutches that we operate anymore unless you have a, you know, a, a manual shift car. And when we go to autonomous cars, there will be no clutch because there'll be electric autonomous cars. There'll be no clutch. So we need a new use for the word clutch. Mark Desmura. Desmura. Say it fast. Fast Desmura. like. There you go. Did you like that? Yeah. He said Also fast talking about like. home monitoring. He's talking about <laughs> sense. He's talking about ecocentric. And he's talking about the fact that some of these are being developed by CSIRO in Australia. <gasps> Mate. He wants us to test them. So how about this? You buy one of them for you. And yes. Tom, you, you get buy the other the one. You buy the other one for me. <laughs> yes. And the other one for Robert. And then we'll, we'll test and compare them. That sounds like a great use of uh, Patreon money for the show. Duke Lamb. Another number of Model 3 produced. So it's hard to believe, and this is what I was talking about last week, that Model 3 production number is only 30 cars by the end of the month. Yeah. If it's coming off the line, I would expect more than 30 cars. And I read somewhere there's supposed to be a Model 3 assembly line just for the Model 3. So what takes? Now, I said the same thing, Duke. They did the, the first one, serial number one. And then they said at this 28th July event, the first 30 cars are going to be delivered to people. Mm-hmm. I read that as saying they're only going to deliver, they're only going to make 30 cars in July. And that's kind of what they said, 30 cars in July. Mm-hmm. I don't know, 100 cars the next month, 1,500 cars. That is the slowest thing in the world. It's like they're hand-building them. Is this really coming off the line? What does that mean? Well, Elon talked about this, right, in the governor's meeting. Manufacturing is very, very difficult. Like, So the first 30, they kind of have to go kind of slow. They're right. they're programming the robots a little more fine-tuned, right? Like everything is being watched very, very granular so they can retrain and make things more efficient, make sure that like the robot arm isn't going to smash through the windshield at right. some point, right? And so as they... They, so that process is slow, and then they'll speed it up a little bit and watch that process right. and do the same thing again, and then they'll speed it up. And that's sort of what Elon talked about in the governor's meeting. That's what the ramp up – that's a very natural part of – like 
getting the first 30, and then once you've learned all of that stuff, boom, 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 then you can start really ramping it up. Right. He talks about a doubling. So maybe they're making one car every six days, and they're making one car every three days. Mm-hmm. And at some point, they're going to be making, you know, 30 cars in a day. 700 but, in a day. In a right. day. Right. thousand in a day. In a day. To clarify, there's one production line for Model 3. Correct. They showed us where the equipment was on a on a tour. They've lined it all up. And, uh, you know, I just don't know how they're going to manage to paint them all. That seems to be an even bigger issue. I'm going to paint them for them. Thank you. And John Ford said this seems to be sort of a slow news period until July 28th. So he sent us some stuff to read as well. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I agree with you. It is a bit slow on the news. Um, because we are just so full up with anticipatory pensations for uh, July 28th. Yeah. And that's I'm a word I just made up, by very, the way. Very, 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 very pensively Pent- waiting. We still Pent- have another show before that what happens. What are we going to do next week? It's just going to be like sitting there just anx- anx- no. anxiously just There's wondering. There's so much news that's important oh, for everybody to see. I just want the Design Center to open. That's what I want to do. I just yeah. want the Design Center open so that we can, even though there's going to be just a hundred different ways to uh, play with the car, we're going to do all 100. I think that's enough. I think that's enough of Tom. It's certainly enough of Robert. And I <laughs> know it's enough of me. This is Talking Tesla. Thanks to our Patreon people. Go on to iTunes. Uh, leave us a, a, a note. Yeah. Make so a hopefully review. Make it good. Make a review. Send us a message via the Twitter yeah. at Talking Tesla. I haven't seen any reviews on the Apple Store for quite that a while. For like a year. We got a lot of, to begin with. Yeah. We need a campaign. All of them excellent. Excellent. Because it's a, such a good show. And then maybe. Maybe that's why the show, as it matures, maybe it's not as good and people don't want to hurt our feelings. <laughs> maybe that's right. I'd like to see 15 reviews by next week. What? Uh, that's not a big number. Go. 15 iTunes reviews by next week. Challenge. Yes. Yeah. And but if it, that is, Robert will do the entire next show naked. Oh, please, no. Nude. I don't <laughs> want to see that. Unshowered? I don't care. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, July 28th, reveal event. We're going to be streaming live from somewhere. We don't know where, but we'll talk to you next week. Launchpad 39A. It could happen. Anything could happen. No. Out. Talking Tesla is a production of Fully Boo Incorporated. Hosted by Mel Herbert, Tom Wolfson, and Robert Rosenberg. Edited by Eliza Jane Barnes. And produced by C.C. Herbert and Mel Herbert. To support Talking Tesla, go to patreon.com forward slash talking Tesla. To find our referral codes, go to talkingtesla.net forward slash about. And finally, if you love the show, go write us a review on iTunes.